You're listening to the Cultivating Careers and Alternative Proteins podcast, a podcast which features students and early career professionals who work in the alternative protein industry, where they discuss their journeys and deliver advice on how you can start a career in this revolutionary field. As always, I have another very unique guest for this episode. Laura Hackle, who is a tech advisor to startups such as Plant Provisions and TerraBio, helps develop plant-based sustainable food products. Specifically, she focuses on recipe design, scale-up, and nutrient composition. Laura currently serves as research advisor for USAID Advancing Nutrition, where she designs research studies and supports activities in the area of food fortification, anemia micronutrients, and diet quality. Laura has a PhD in Health Sciences and Technology from ETH Zurich and is currently based in Vienna, Austria. I'm extremely fortunate to have had the chance to speak with her about her experience and background, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Laura, and welcome to the Cultivating Careers and Alternative Proteins podcast. I'm very excited to have you on the show today, and I'm looking forward to hearing about your insights. Yeah, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. So to start off, can you tell me more about your journey into the alternative protein space? Yeah, sure. So... I'm a pharmacist by training, so that's kind of where it all began. And I've always been interested in nutrition. So after finishing my studies, I started a PhD in human nutrition, and I was working on iron fortification of rice. And in that, I basically worked a lot on food technology. So I learned how to use an extruder, which is a machine that is used for making pasta. And this really was something completely new for me because I was not really involved in any technology before, but it definitely got me interested in the topic. So my work was in the area of food fortification, which is adding nutrients to staple foods on a large scale basis to improve nutrient intake. And I was always interested in two things. One is to improve nutrition for vulnerable populations, for example, women of reproductive age and children. And my other goal in life was to decrease the intake of animal products. I was always in between those two topics. And then for my day job, I work in this improving maternal and child nutrition space where I work on nutrition programs, researching how to improve iron intake, for example. But the issue of decreasing animal product consumption has always been something that was lingering around and I always came back to it and then read up on it and Basically, I never thought I would be working in this space. I thought it's just an interest. And I've been vegetarian for about 25 years now. And back in the day, there were a lot of products available that were really not that good. So not really an alternative. And it's nice to see how this space has grown in the past. And my journey into this space happened a few years ago when I was approached by someone who wanted to start a plant-based deli meat startup. He pinged me on LinkedIn and we were meeting to discuss what the expectations were, 
what should the product be? There were obviously a lot of iterations when we started to what the end product then was. But starting this conversation with my colleague who basically founded the startup really showed me that it's possible to enter the space and that it's a process and you don't have all the answers from the beginning. It's sometimes difficult to navigate the space because there are so many different areas involved. It's not just it has to taste good, the texture has to be good, the packaging and marketing has to be there. So it's definitely interesting to be involved in a project like this from the early stages because there are so many components that I hadn't even thought of beforehand. Yeah, food is a very complex thing and all aspects of it are super interrelated. For example, if you want to improve the texture, it may involve having to use different ingredients, which may impact the flavor of the product as well as its nutritional profile. Yes, definitely. And as we were building the team at the startup, it was also good to learn from different individuals in the space. There was a vegan chef who was really keen on how it actually tasted and who was very creative, testing out the boundaries of what still tastes good or trying out something new. I'm more of a scientist and I try to quantify this is how many grams of a certain compound we have to add. Another colleague was involved more in the marketing and business side. And it's like, well, we can use this ingredient, but it will drive the cost a lot. So maybe we can find alternatives, which again, affected the chef who tried to make it taste good and the texture should be great. So I think this is, as in many other businesses too, there are just so many different aspects that at first sight are probably not that easy to see. Yeah, definitely. And it further demonstrates that it interdisciplinary team is critical to ensuring successful products. Speaking of successful products, can you tell me a little bit more about your involvement with Plant Provisions and TerraBio? Sure. So with Plant Provisions, as I mentioned earlier, I was kind of involved from very early stages. So that involved having a lot of discussions on what should the end product be should it be vegetarian or vegan? Should it be gluten-free or not? Should it contain soy? What are the ingredients that can't go in? Which ingredients do we need? Do certain ingredients have a bad reputation? Can they be replaced with something? So a lot of the conceptualization in the beginning provided the framework. But then, of course, when you start doing the actual process, which in our case meant we were just trying out a lot of different recipes at a small scale. So in the beginning, it was mainly looking on the internet, finding some recipes that sounded good and trying it out in my home kitchen, adding or removing ingredients, playing around with the ratios, and then seeing what comes out. And then once we had some contenders where the texture was okay, we tried to tweak the taste in a way that we thought could work for the end product. And this is not a process that is figured out in a few days, but this 
took weeks because uh, we all also had our day jobs that we were working on. So it was often done on the weekend and sometimes we had to wait for certain ingredients. And those conversations also changed and shaped the products. Now we have deli slices that are very homogenous in their appearance, but there were also ideas of having a whole vegetable in it and you see it as you slice it, but that would have caused some other technological issues. But it's not that you have one great idea and you run with it and implement it. There's a lot of iteration along the way. And I think that's why it's good to have a team with individuals from different backgrounds. So that's basically what I've been doing with plant provisions, working on the recipes, tweaking them. And then at a later stage, when we had developed the recipe that we felt was good enough for a prototype, we tried to scale the recipe up. So instead of a small kitchen scale, we would go one step further and make bigger batches, which of course also came with some challenges because you don't just use everything times 10 or, or 100. You have to change other parameters. We also had a food technologist on the team who was very good at anticipating which challenges we could face as we scaled up. It was a big learning process for everyone involved. And then for TerraBio, I'm also in an advisory role. It's not as much hands-on in the kitchen as with plant provisions. It's more trying to strategize about the ingredients. What do we need? What needs to get done by which date? How can we work around some of the technological challenges? What do we need to be aware of when it comes to the nutritionals? So it's a bit less actual kitchen work, but more strategy or thinking behind that. Ah, okay. So I guess you do a lot of hands-on work as well as some more strategy and operations work. And I'm curious to know how you feel that your educational background has prepared you for both of these roles. That's a great question because I was always unsure about whether I should study pharmacy or nutrition. And I was more interested in nutrition, but I felt pharmacy would be the more responsible thing to do because in Austria, where I come from, if you study pharmacy, your prospects of getting a job are very high. And as a nutritionist, the job that you will later do is not so well defined. So I studied pharmacy and I realized early on that it was maybe not my calling, but I also didn't want to leave without finishing my degree. And that's how I basically started looking for alternatives to becoming a pharmacist with my background, which was a segue for me into my PhD. Oftentimes I'm like, well, I could have studied something else and it would maybe have been faster to study nutrition and go the similar route. But I do think that my training as a pharmacist made me very precise in the way I work. It's a good mix of natural sciences and hands-on work. So I worked in laboratories a lot, which helps in 
understanding certain processes. And that also definitely helped in working in this food technology space where you have to understand that if you use too much water, then the moisture content is too high and then the end product may not come out the way it should. And playing around with certain parameters, I think it's easier to have this background with the natural sciences background, but also hands-on laboratory experience. And also understanding the interplay between human nutrition and why it's important, what are the requirements and such. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel that hands-on experience is so invaluable as it allows you to learn really quickly and really become more involved and see how things done on a practical sense as opposed to just the theoretical especially for people earlier on in their careers as it helps them to figure out is this something i really want to do day to day and is this something i physically enjoy doing and speaking about things that you enjoy doing what excites you the most about the work that you do as i mentioned before i have those two goals where I want to create positive impact for maternal and child nutrition and also to motivate people to eat fewer animal products. And reducing animal product consumption is something that I've been trying to do for quite a long time. And in the beginning, this was mostly maybe cooking a vegan meal for a friend that comes over or having vegan catering for a party. So where you would serve vegan food and no one would miss anything. And I wouldn't tell my friends, but then at the end it's like, well, everything was vegan and people seem to have enjoyed it. And that's nice on a small scale, but then going one step further and maybe increasing the availability of such foods helps to push the agenda a little bit and can just increase the impact. And for me, one of the main reasons why I enjoy working in this space is I think that alternative protein products, they've come a very long way. Drinking soy milk 20 years ago was not that fun and it didn't taste great. So it's great to see how far this has come. And I think to even improve the space more, it's important to have more products and specifically to make it more affordable to consumers because it's nice that there is this trend of shifting towards plant-based proteins and products that are not animal-based. But to me, it often seems like it's not available for the broad consumer base. It is still quite pricey. And I think the more products are out there and the more competition is out there and the more products that are available, this will eventually decrease the price and make it available for broader consumer bases, which then again, if the more consumers there are, the higher the impact. So I think it's definitely a cycle. And if you can accelerate this with the work that maybe you're doing with your podcast. And if you work in product development and develop products that taste good and that people want to buy, I think 
all of this contributes to decreasing animal product consumption. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see the reception of your products and hear people say, wow, this is amazing. I should buy this more often. And what you said earlier leads nicely into my next question, which is, how do you see nutrition shaping the alternative protein industry and consumer acceptance of its products? Yeah, that's a great question. Consumers are definitely more aware these days. It's easy to look up what is the protein content in a product, or what are the health benefits of ingredient A versus B. So I think that improving the nutrient content in products is definitely important because we've come a long way in figuring out tastes and textures. For me, texture is key when it comes to those products because depending on what it is, you can always tweak the taste by adding something to it. But if the texture is not there, it's kind of problematic. So now that I think we've figured this out, at least broadly, the next step is to make sure that the nutritionals are there. Also because there are many individuals who may be opposed to the idea of having those alternative protein products becoming successful. And if they are not at least as nutritious as their conventional counterparts, there will always be room to attack those products. With everything we know now and with technologies becoming more easily accessible to smaller companies, I think getting the nutritionals right will still take some time and it won't be perfect. But then again, there are very few food products that are perfect, but I think we can definitely get it right. Yeah, I agree. Plant-based products have come a long way in terms of taste and texture. And hopefully more R&D into improving the nutritional profile will make them more appealing to consumers. Because the consumer is more aware of what is good and what is bad, I think this will just accelerate the process of making this happen faster because at the end it is a demand-driven process. So the more consumers want a nutritious product, hopefully the faster the process will happen. But that being said, I think there are quite some products that already have a pretty good nutrition profile, but you have to also be careful about certain claims because there are others who say that all plant-based products are by default healthier, which I think that's something that I can't always agree with. So it really depends on the actual details of each product and also on the individual as with all the food products. Yeah, the term healthier is very subjective and highly dependent on the person. It's relative to your situation. So I'm curious, where do you see yourself in the future, say five or 10 years from now? That's something that I think about almost every day, I would say. I definitely want to continue participating in this alternative protein space. As I've mentioned earlier, my day job is working more in the nutrition development space in low and middle income countries. So I work on programs for nutrition. I work in this alternative protein space. 
on the side and I can see myself working in this alternative protein space as my main job and then maybe doing the development work on the side. I think I will always be moving in between those two career components just because my passion lies in both. And to me, both are very important. Yeah, I get that. And it's great that you're able to pursue a career in both those areas. So for people who want to get into the alternative protein industry, what advice do you have for them? I think there are a lot of things that I was not aware of when I was trying to move into that space. And what's most important, I think, is to really understand what are the gaps. So you don't need the 50th chicken nugget that has the same ingredients and packaging as 49 others. You have to understand where is a gap that someone can fill. And to understand that, it's always helpful to talk to people and talk to as many people as possible. What I find very helpful and what I did a lot is looking up different individuals on LinkedIn and just asking, do you have some time for a chat? Because I would like to understand better what is it you're working on? How do you see this space shaking out in the next few years? Where would be a good entryway for junior people? Or if you're already more senior and you want to switch careers, how can I maybe slowly migrate into that space? There are so many different aspects to this work. Not everyone has to be a food technologist. You need someone who understands the nutritionals, but you also need someone who understands the marketing, the packaging, the shelf life, the food processing steps. How does the market look like? What does the competition look like? So I think identifying what you're good at what you're interested in, and how this can help filling the gap in this space. That's, to me, very important. And as you reach out to different individuals, you will not get answers by many and probably more non-answers than answers. I've reached out to so many people and so many never responded. But there will be a few individuals who will respond and who will be very helpful and will help you to make some further connections or they may not be able to give you the right answers, but they can ask you the right questions that somewhat bring you to the next steps. I think also looking into which companies are out there. So if you see a lot of advertisements by company A or B, trying to learn more about it, maybe even reaching out to someone at a company just to understand what are you working on now? How do you see this space growing in the future? Which roles will be available? Maybe not necessarily right now, but in six months, one year, two years. And also looking if you are interested in getting higher education in the space, which programs are available what do people who finish a certain program do now and talk to people? I think all these great efforts, they are not done by one person. It's always a team effort and learning from others what they did right or what they did wrong is always really helpful. Yeah, and it's great speaking to people and learning about their experiences, 
and their mistakes so you don't make the same ones. And another point that I really want to emphasize that you mentioned there was speaking to a very diverse group of people because it helps you get a better understanding of the entire industry. Yes, and maybe adding to that, I don't think necessarily it's just the experience or the learnings that they had, but also the motivation. Because when I stopped eating meat, for me, the motivation was, I don't want to eat animals. And then later on, the environmental aspect became very prevalent. So I think refocusing and understanding how the space around you changes, it's sometimes difficult to do it by yourself. It's definitely easier if you have someone who may have gone a similar or slightly different journey than you and trying to understand how certain steps led to certain outcomes and what could be an alternative way to go. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else that you want to add or talk about? Just to say a big thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate you reaching out and giving me the space to talk about this really important topic. And to all the listeners, please feel free to reach out to me in case you have any questions or would like to connect. All right. And is it okay if I include your LinkedIn in the show notes? Absolutely. Excellent. Well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today, Laura. Thank you for taking the time and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you for listening. Laura's career path demonstrates that just because you may not initially pursue a career in alternative proteins, despite being passionate about it, you can still switch into it later on after you gain more work experience in your field. Since then, you'll be able to contribute more effectively to the industry. This is another illustration as to how there's a place for everyone, including you, to be a part of the alternative protein revolution. If you want to learn more about careers in the alternative protein industry, please follow the Cultivating Careers in Alternative Protein podcast on Instagram for weekly posts about episode releases, alternative protein resources, job boards, career advice, and so much more.